You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you today that we can just stand in your presence and know full well, Father, that we can't move and find a place where you're not. We can't escape your love. We can't escape your grace. We, we live very much, Father, under that authority and the goodness and the blessing of the Holy Spirit. So we thank you tonight. We just begin there thanking you, thanking you, Father, that, that in all situations, those that are simple and those that are very difficult, Father, that you are always there. We just pray, Lord, especially tonight for Donna and just the things that are going on with her aunt and the trips back and forth to Odessa and all that, that all that means. We just lift her up, Father, and know that there's an abundance of strength already. There's, there's promise already. And we just thank you, Father, that you've already made it available and that you are making it evident. So we, we thank you. Lord, we just know that so many things to praise you for, so many things to just acknowledge tonight. And uh, we just thank you for obedience and for how it has been on display today. So we thank you, Father, for your presence here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Any... Uh, any comments or anything anybody would like to share about, about this morning service? Wow, that's, wow's a pretty good description. We had, a, we had a couple share this morning. They're from Lubbock, and they, they shared a story that started many years ago but uh, really began to kind of tragically unfold last April when she discovered some things on his phone. And uh, it's, a, it's the kind of stuff that if you found any one of those things that she discovered, in most situations, the marriage would have been over, would have walked away, and it would have been done. But to see the complete restoration, to see what the power of the Holy Spirit could do, but in, in bringing them both out of their false identities and both into their new ones, she didn't share that, uh, I don't think she did, I might have missed it, but uh, she said on her way to the gate, where she knew the Holy Spirit was taking her, uh, to wait on the, on, and, and welcome home the prodigals. She said in that walking, because again, she is pregnant, and the gate was about a mile from, where, from the cabin, they told them that they could go anywhere on this thousand acres that they wanted to go. And she said she knew that the Holy Spirit had told her to go back to the gate and he would have a message for her there, have something for her. And the message that she got was that you will be at the gate always ready and willing to welcome home the prodigals. You will be the father to welcome them home. But she didn't tell that her identity that she discovered on that path was she kept hearing the Holy Spirit say, you are so brave. You are brave, you are brave, you are brave. And she said after he said it numerous times, he re she realized that he was speaking her identity to her. So uh, uh, she 
And also, just I'd encourage them to tell what the Holy Spirit said that they needed to. But uh, I think she had told me once that her false identity was I am stupid. Uh, again, this is a a woman that has a doctorate and you know has proven that that's not true. But when it gets set in and you believe it, then uh, it's it's hard to shake. Uh, what Eliza shared was remarkable. Uh, to just see and, and what was shared with me over here personally by another couple was just, you just realize that they've come to the place where they've stepped into the, to the father's arms, come home, and the party started. They got, they got the robe, they got the shoes, they got the ring. And it was strange to hear the laughter begin because they realized just how free they finally were. So, powerful. I also, just uh, again, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not shocked, but I, I don't think I will ever get past the amazing awe that obedience creates for the gift, uh, for the blankets to be just under $7,000 and to turn around and for the, for the one for Jamie to be just about the same amount. Uh, it's incredible. It's truly incredible to watch that kind of obedience. Uh, there was another chapter in Jamie's story that uh, y'all didn't know about, but uh, Joe had found out in the last few days that he's going to have to have another surgery. And they just didn't know how financially they were going to be able to do it. Matter of fact, I came straight from my office in here uh, this morning, because I was talking to both of them about that the, the God had it, that his resources were full, that they were abundant, and that they didn't have to worry about it. And uh, I think they were a bit shocked that the provision came before the, before the request did. So it was a blessing in many ways. So I'm, I'm going to talk tonight a little bit about forgiveness. It kind of weaves through this forgiveness story, but uh, I want to start with, with a video. Uh, it's, uh, it's one I just ran across, but it's, it's truly powerful, and I, just, I want to start with that. I think we just turned on one projector, so it'll, it'll be over here. I don't know uh, many stories I don't, that could be shared so effectively and powerfully as hers, having suffered cruelty and ungodliness that most of us couldn't even imagine, can't quite even pretend to get there, and she lived it. But when she came to that part about just this reality of that her, that the forgiveness of God, the love of God was greater than her hatred. There's something that can shift in us when that, when that reality comes. That there's something about God that is bigger than anything that seems hesitant to us. When we, anytime we come to this question of forgiveness, it makes me wonder where we have all been wounded. I know many stories in this room uh, because 
They have been shared with me in my office and in other places, sometimes publicly, in testimonies. But I know very often where you were wounded, where you were hurt. Well, the thing that catches my attention, and we're going to go in just a minute to, to John chapter 20. Think, as you're going there, think for a moment. Where were you wounded? Was it your heart? Was it your mind? Where, where's the wound? Because I want us to see something. And it's not a direction that I would typically go. It's not a conversation that I would typically have. But I want us to, to just reflect for just a second about where you were wounded. And I hope I can draw this connection to how forgiveness comes. That was the name of that video, How to Forgive. How did, how did Jesus prove that he was authentic? From John chapter 20. Let's, let's just look there for just a second. Uh, see what verse I want to start with. Let me start with verse 24. John 20, verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, again, this is a, there's a lot of history and a lot of things that have gotten connected to who we call Doubting Thomas. But I want to tell you, when I read this under, under some of the things that I have recently learned I don't see him as doubting Thomas at all. Because I have found that God wants to become authentic to us. I don't think he wants us to just take the testimony of someone else. I don't think he wants us to just hear a story shared from the pulpit about some story largely unrelated and somehow believe that that is how God becomes real to me. Thomas is saying, I need for Jesus and all of this story, because I've seen what's happened, I need for this to become real to me. I don't think that that's a wrong perspective. I don't think it's a wrong request. I don't think it's a lack of faith. I think it's Thomas from a very real part of his heart saying, I'm coming into a room here. And you've got the doors locked. Apparently, you don't have a lot of faith either. You're not the surest people in the world about all this because you're hiding, you're, you're tucked away hiding in this room and Thomas is now there with them. They've been hiding. Uh, we go back up and it says in verse 9 of that same chapter, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the, when the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. 
So we don't, we don't have anybody here that's just holding this stellar position. Thomas just has a different request because he wants to know that he knows, that he knows, that he knows that what's happened is real. Again, not a bad request because we would function differently. You and I would, would live differently each day if we asked God and, and sought out how does, how will it, what will it take for him to become real to me? Now, Jesus is going to address this later and say, blessed are those who will walk by sight and not have to have this as he's talking to Thomas. But I want to tell you, if you haven't had an encounter with Jesus, it's hard for us to relate and to know the authenticity of who Jesus is. So we read a little bit further because Thomas is saying, I want to know because I want to see where he suffered. I want to see the point of suffering. Again, a, a bit of a strange request. He could have just said, I, I, can, I just want to see him alive. I just want to see him walking. Nope. He said, what I want to see is I want to see the evidence of his death and I want to see him as alive now as a result. I want to see the overcoming. I want to see the victory. I don't want to just recognize that he's alive. I want to see the scars that killed him. And then I want to see the evidence of the life after. Why would I be interested in where you were wounded? Because in the place where you were wounded, and now there's a story to tell after it, I don't, get off, I, I don't find any authenticity in that, but I can point very specifically to where I was wounded and to the victory that I now walk in, and I can say to someone else, I know that he's real because I can look at the point of the suffering. I can see where the hurt was, and I can see now the victory, the life that came after it. Thomas was making a pretty dynamic request. We try, especially in the believing world, in the church world, we try to validate ourselves in our, in our believing lives by the successes of our lives. That's the more typical thing. A pastor will validate himself or, or the church will validate themselves because they have a large building. The church is growing. The money is coming in. They've got a lot going on. They've got a lot of mission projects going on and they're validated by their successes. And there's absolutely no validation in the successes. I'm not saying that there's not the great work of God in them, but we can't hold out the success and, say, and, and to say, because we didn't, we didn't, Thomas didn't ask here for the successes. He said, I want to see the point of suffering. Why? How does this relate to forgiveness? Because our scars tell his story. That makes sense? Our scars where I was wounded, now because that it's, it is a scar where I was once wounded, there's an evidence there that, I, that the wound was there. 
But the reality is that that wound now only allows me to tell his story. I wrote here, as I shared this morning, uh, we were very concerned and look at what happens to us and, 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 and raise it into great areas of significance. I'm not sure that's a good thing or a bad thing. But I will tell you that what we had do or what we have ever done matters little compared to that which God has done on our behalf. That's the real story. You know, for, for this testimony, that's a, that's a testimony I know that no one wants to tell. No one wants to stand and say those things. No one wants to tell what was on their phone, what was on their computer, what was on their iPad, the, the phone calls that were made, where the money went, all those kind of things. No one wants to tell that story. But it, what, that's not the story. What's the story? The story is what God did. The story is about taking two individuals who were both broken, coming into a relationship, coming into the marriage, and watch both of them independently walking down this path with the Holy Spirit because they truly did not know what was happening with the other. When she said, and she was serious, when, when the Holy Spirit told her to do nothing, she said he would text her and said she might, out of consideration, respond, but said, for all that time, she never even sent him a text message because she really heard what the Holy Spirit said when the Holy Spirit said, do nothing. It left him in the dark. You heard his conclusions. Well, I'm losing my family. I'm losing my wife. I'm losing my children. Little did he know that the work of God was completely restoring his wife, completely restoring his family, and giving him something, giving them something in marriage they have never had. What a story, what God did to bring her to that gate, to bring him. He didn't, he didn't say it, but on, the, on that road when he was pulled over that second time, the Holy Spirit told him what his false identity was and told him what his true identity was. So I'm not surprised that there's a messenger under that identity on one side of the stage and I am brave on the other because they have a message to tell to bring the prodigals home. Bring the prodigals home. I don't think the way it hit me this morning and to see the result in lives and, and to have people just realize I have run and hid and I'm on the backside of somewhere eating what the pigs are eating and I want to go home. I want to go into my father's house. I want to sit down. I'm just so amazed at that story because we know the story of the prodigal. He, he, he tried to just say, I'll be a servant. And the father wouldn't hear it. Just wouldn't hear it. And I never heard Lisa say this as many times as I've met with her. I never really heard her talking about her getting to be the father that she got to be the one to her husband, the prodigal, and said, welcome home. Man, 
real forgiveness, real healing. But all they can do now is to say, let me show you the scars and tell you about this great healing. You see, there's there's something powerfully connected about forgiveness when when, when we look at the places where we once were hurt. What had to happen for a hurt to turn into victory? What had to happen for that wound to tell a dynamic story? What had to happen? What had to happen is one component of that story with great consistency. What did Jesus say at at that cross? And he wasn't just talking to those soldiers who were gambling for his clothes. Now we narrow his words to a group of, of a few men. To whom was he really speaking? When he said, Father, forgive them. Who did he have in his mind when he said those words? All of us. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Everyone's hurt, everyone's sin has put me here. So pointing to the scars, pointing to the, to the place of the wound, pointing to the place of the hurt, also announces this story of forgiveness. Because unless that wound is self-inflicted, which they rarely are, someone hurt us. Make sense? Someone hurt us. And for me to get to hold that up and say, look at this place where I was hurt, for me to announce that as victory, what had to happen? Forgiveness. For me to hold up a wound and say, look where I used to hurt and let me tell you the story. We're not going to get there without forgiveness. Someone wounded us. Someone hurt us. And now we get to say, yeah, they did. Let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you what the, the, this amazing story of what God did. You, you will not be able to tell that story if you're still holding a grudge against the person who hurt you. Do you hear the story? Can you imagine? For this guy to walk up to her and... and, and, and I guess he knew what he was doing, and I guess he knew the person to whom he was speaking because most people, when they said, well, you know, I'm reading my Bible, I, I found the Lord, they would, have, they would have spit in your face or knocked you in the head anyway because of what you had done. She gets to tell that story, hold out her wound and say, this is where I was hurt, and get to share this story of the victory that she found in it because forgiveness allowed her then to hold up the scar and tell the story about what God has done. So there's the sequence. An old wound healed. And now we look over here at us telling it as a, as a victory. What had to happen in the middle? Forgiveness 
of the one who wounded us. Or we can't tell the victory story. Let's go a little further. It is, uh, I don't even think it's unfortunate. Somewhere I find great distinction in it that the world labels us for what we did. But the glory we understand is what he has done. You can label me, I guess, for what I did. But I absolutely want to acknowledge that the greater message is what he has done. John, in verse 25, Let me read that again. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. This has to become real to me, unless I see his suffering. Verse 26. And after eight days, I want us to recognize that this is a, Jesus didn't just pop in and say, okay, Thomas, I'll answer all your questions. Eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas was with them this time. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, so they're still not real brave, and stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. Then he said to Thomas, now remember, he wasn't there when Thomas said what he said. He said to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up for Thomas. What do you think is happening in Thomas in this moment? I don't, it, it's really hard for me in situations like this to, find, to even marginally be able to put myself in that place, in that room, realizing that everybody in there is afraid. Jesus suddenly shows up in your midst and he begins to address me because of something I said eight days earlier. I don't even know how he's found out that I said it. And he begins to address me so directly. Well, I don't think we would be quite as amazed if we would just acknowledge our own story sometime and recognize how Jesus shows up and answers that very question that has been pressing on us. Basically, Jesus says, I hear you've been wanting to see my scars. I hear you've been wanting to see where the nails were. He just says, hey, Thomas, put your finger where your sin was. That's what he's saying. Put your finger where your sin was. Because, again, she said it up here. If you'd have been the only one, he would have still been there. And you would have realized that that hole that went into his hands, into his feet, into his side, you touch every place where your sin was. Because what's Thomas having to acknowledge? 
What has Jesus done for Thomas? He has forgiven him. Because it was equally Thomas's sin as it was my sin that, that put him there. And he also said, put your finger where the victory is. Put your finger where the sin was. Put your finger where the victory is. That's a story. That's a message. That's powerful. Because I want to be able to tell someone, if I, if I ever had the opportunity or the need, I want to be able to tell someone, you, you want to touch where you hurt me? You want to touch where the victory is? Same place. Because where you wounded me, there's victory today. I can tell that story well. When forgiveness is in, is, is in the story, put your finger where forgiveness was paid for. Put your finger where the sin was. Put your finger where the victory is. Put your finger where forgiveness, your forgiveness was paid for. Let's read a little bit more of that and then we'll close. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. So yeah, Thomas might not have chosen the absolute best. But I love the fact that Thomas chose what he chose because it makes such an amazing testimony when Jesus is telling them, Thomas, reach here thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless. Be not faithless, but believing. So where's your wound? Where's the scar? And can we with the same joy as Jesus counted this, can we with the same joy say, you can look at the wound where I was once hurt. Somebody did that. But I want to tell you about the victory that was given to me through Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, by what his blood did, by what the Holy Spirit reveals, what forgiveness can do. I want to tell you a story. I want you to look at the, at, the, at the old scar and I want to tell you a story of victory because right there in that place is where my forgiveness for you, the one who hurt me, was paid for. It was paid for in the victory he gave me over the suffering. It was paid for by the price he paid to restore me, bring me victory. It was paid for. And I love the fact that he counted it joy to pay for it. I don't know any of us in here who doesn't have those places of suffering, those wounds, 
I don't know, I don't know anybody that's ever escaped that. But I love the testimonies that are sitting around this room right now that any, any one of us could stand and say, this, there was an old hurt there, but let me tell you the victory. Let me tell you that I, that, I, that I live today in freedom. Let me tell you that I live today in joy. Let me tell you that I live today in peace. Let me tell you that I live today in goodness. Let me tell you that, that the bitterness is gone, that the forgiveness is in place. Let me tell you about the perfect love that has driven out the fear. Let me tell you about... The, the peace that passes understanding that's driven out the anxiety. Let me tell you about a story of victory and how I got there. Because when you realize who gave me the story, you realize who gave me the forgiveness for you as well. Forgiveness begins. We discover it by looking at our own scars and seeing the victory that has been established in the place of the old wound. Father, thank you for this reminder tonight. Forgiveness is such a great thing. It is liberating. It is powerful. It's, it just has a way because of what you have done, because of, it's your forgiveness in the first place. It's not even ours. You bought and paid for it. You just give it to us so graciously that we can hand it out to others. Thank you, Father, that you let that forgiveness that came to us, as Corey Ten Boom said, that she has forgiveness for the Father and that it goes very naturally to the next person, even somebody that was as terrible and hideous as he was. The forgiveness still is freely and abundantly given. So thank you, Father, so much here, so much story, so much truth. Thank you, Father, for reminding us tonight about the power of forgiveness and that our old wounds tell a powerful story. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.